Welcome to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name's Evan. And my name is Alex. And today we have a fun one for you. Today we're going to be covering the animated version of The Justice League. Yeah! Woo! Now, this is older than I thought. Um, I think this first aired in, I want to say 2001, maybe. And mm-hmm. what I didn't know, this pretty much picked up or kicked off right after Batman Beyond uh, ended, which was, I think, started in the year 2000. And I was in like second grade. So I thought those two were maybe a little further apart, but they, yeah, this was all very early 2000s. Yeah. And I think when I think of cartoons, that's around the formative years of my life. If you were in second grade, I was in first grade. And so, this is what I think of when I think of cartoons and like superheroes in general. Mm -hmm. DC uh, really had such a huge head start uh, compared to anyone compared to Marvel, especially as far as just like mainstream awareness, uh, Mm -hmm. the quality of their animated series at the time really dominated everything. Um, So the, DC animated shows starting started a, a really successful run in the 90s, uh, which are now kind of collectively called the DCAU or the DC Animated Universe. Um, but these were series developed uh, kind of headed by this guy named Bruce Tim. And it's the it started with Batman, the animated series in, I think, 92 or 93. Then it was Superman, the animated series in 96. Then it was Batman Beyond. And then it kind of culminated in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Um, but yeah, it was like a solid 10-year run where they it, this was the epitome of cartoons. Um, so when you translate that to like what has happened with like Marvel movies versus uh, DC movies, it's really kind of a, a letdown. Not that I have anything against Marvel movies, but it, it's just astounding to me that DC had such a huge head start and kind of dropped the ball when it came to translating it to the live screen. Yeah, because this is what comic books are based on, is you have individual titles, you have individual superheroes, but they all exist in the same universe. And this was just a cartoon universe where uh, the animated Batman and animated Superman shows in the 1990s all led into these other two shows. And it's funny because that's now what they do with Marvel movies, is it's just the same comic book strategy reused but it's so exciting i love seeing all of these characters because no other movie series do you really see like an extended universe of this sort or you just see sequels like pirates of the caribbean you don't see you see one two and three you don't see a bunch Mm -hmm. of films all tying into each other like this but uh comic books have been doing this since the 30s and 40s so it's it's fun yeah so just to go over the cast uh, or the cast of characters real quickly, uh, the makeup of this iteration of the Justice League consists of Batman, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, John Stewart, and uh, Hot Girl and the wait no Hot Girl, Flash, and Martian Manhunter. There's seven. Uh, I yep. Can't, yeah, I can't you got them. The There's a lot of them. Uh, and, and doing the voice cast, uh, they had a pretty epic voice cast and 
really anchoring this whole production is they they had the man who voiced Batman, who is, in my opinion, the uh, the best actor I'll say to play Batman oh, yeah. in, in any form. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kevin Conroy, who voiced him in the Batman animated series, he's got that deep, booming dark voice that voiced uh, Batman all throughout the nineties and early two thousands. And he's even come back for later animated films and made an appearance in one of the CW superhero shows playing an older version of Bruce Wayne. Um, But he's really kind of the anchor. Uh, Love that. They didn't get the same voice actor back for Superman who voiced him in the animated series. Uh, The original voice actor was Tim Daly. He wasn't available to, to do it this time around. So they got, um, I didn't actually write his name down. They got another guy to voice him, but he did. He does a really good job. And it's almost, uh, the difference is almost imperceptible. I, I wouldn't really have known unless I'd read it up on it. And I should probably look it up while I'm going through this, but his name is George Newburn, George Newburn. Yes. Yes. Um, another thing that was interesting about Superman in the, in justice league, the animated show is, in the first season, he looks noticeably older than he did in the 90s series. And with the passing of time, I guess that makes Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But that was intentional. Like he's got the little folds under his eyes. Like um, but that apparently there was like not the the greatest feedback on that. And they changed it and just started they peeled it back in season two, and he just kind of looks like the the nineties version again. Um, it's, it's, it's a small, subtle difference, but it's definitely there. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just run through the rest of the voice cast. Uh, Phil Lamar plays John Stewart, the Green Lantern. Uh, he's also played Aquaman in Young Justice, Jack in Samurai Jack, and Virgil in Static Shock. So a pretty extensive uh, resume in the DCAU. And then we have Susan Rosenberg, who voices Wonder Woman. Um, I don't really recognize any of her other work, except uh, she does play Lee's mom in Avatar The Last Airbender, the little boy Lee that uh, Zuko comes across. Emotional scene. Uh Uh-huh. And also a character named Viper from, it's funny that you just texted me something about this. Uh, Viper's a character from the Jackie Chan adventures, so I guess she's also done some work with WB. Top-notch show. Uh So. She only does the creme de la creme de animated shows. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hawkgirl is voiced by Maria Canals Barrera, who is the mom from Wizards of Waverly Place, if if anyone has seen that show. I never really watched it, but I recognize the show. Neither did I. One of uh, my favorite cast members in this is Michael Rosenbaum, who voices Wally West, The Flash. Um, But... more people would probably recognize him as um, Lex Luthor from uh, the Smallville live action series. So he voices the Flash here. You're joking. No, I'm not joking. The bald villain from Smallville for like most of the series, probably six to seven seasons. He's the, the arch nemesis. The big bad. That's crazy, actually, that he plays such different roles. Man, and you know what? There's actually an episode in this where Flash and Lex Luthor like trade bodies. Is there? It's probably Justice League Unlimited. Okay. He also voiced Wally West uh, as Kid Flash in the Teen Titans series, who was like, he wasn't a regular member of the cast, but he's in like one or two episodes later on in the series. I love that. It's funny that they play so many different characters all within DC uh, universes, because you'll catch it sometimes. You'll hear voices, even in 
this one, you'll hear the whole cast of the Teen Titans as the Royal Flush King. And you're like, oh, that's really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a cool one. So the last two names uh, to round it out would be, or I guess maybe the last one would be Carl Lumley, who voices John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, who essentially kicks off the series by telepathically uh, reaching out to, I think, Superman and Batman. Yeah. Uh, for the first episode. I think all of them actually, but we see him reach out to Superman and Batman. Mm -hmm. I really like this cast, this iteration of the justice league. It's a uh, mostly standard characters with a couple of unique ones in like Hawk girl and uh, uh, the John Stewart green lantern, I'd say, which John Stewart of green lanterns is maybe actually one of my favorite of them. Uh, but it's a pretty eclectic group. They're really strong. They're probably like mm -hmm. one of the more powerful versions of the Justice League. Oh, yeah. And that's something I think that they talk about with the reception to Zack Snyder's Justice League um, is kind of the difference between DC and Marvel storytelling on a meta scale is like a lot of the times the analogy made is that DC superheroes are kind of a, a modern day mythology of like gods and um and heroes and just like this the absolute scale of the yeah. power uh where marvel heroes a lot of times are a little more earthbound not that they don't have these really great you know cosmic adventures but uh their stories are usually pretty grounded like spider-man is just this teen who's dealing with you know being a teen or iron man is a wealthy uh -huh. billionaire alcoholic <laughs> um or the man out of time captain america so that's kind of the analogy that's always made for the Justice League specifically. What I also love about Justice League is that these two seasons, and I'm pretty sure into Justice League Unlimited, there's not really an overarching narrative throughout. Uh, it is really more of an anthology where they do these two or three episode arcs. Yeah. And it reminds me almost of like, it reminds me of- Which I love. Like, Mm -hmm. It's a great format because anyone can jump in at any point. Um, they, you know, swap in characters like not the entire cast is in every episode. They'll usually sit one one or two characters out so they can have these different character interactions. Um, it reminds me a lot of like the old old school Star Trek or like Twilight Zone, where this is like a, a sci fi show. A lot of the times, it's not just about fighting bad guys but oh yeah dealing with like parallel dimensions and other planets like, uh, aliens grappling with morality oh lots of moral conundrums and that's what i love about dc is these ethical and moral dilemmas that these superheroes run into mm -hmm. um so yeah the first episode or the first three episode arc is about them warding off this uh white martian invasion and becoming a team in the first place um, I like that Wonder Woman is introduced as kind of a new hero. Like she's not experienced whatsoever and she just shows up in the world of a man. I agree. I like this version of her. And the other version I really like is Hawk Girl. It's kind of funny. If you know how the series ends, you can kind of get these hints of what Hawk Girl is actually doing kind of early on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I just watched that one today. Most of my notes for this show are just like, Oh, that's, I wonder who voiced this random character and I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> uh, but the guy who voices um, Snapper Carr, who's the the young hotshot reporter 
throughout most of the series who's always reporting on the scene. Yeah. It's voiced by a guy named Jason Marsden, who is probably most known for voicing Max Goofy in the Goofy movies. No way. And you picked that up. You were like, this voice looks familiar. Sounds familiar. How do I know this voice? No, I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, good snag. I love a good. He's got a, he's got a very distinct voice. So yeah. Like, no, that's really funny. So to me, the thing I like about the origin, I mean, this is basically in all uh, for all intents and purposes, how the Justice League always gets started is there's an alien invasion and it's too much for Superman and Batman. So they, they gather the troops. And this one Mm. was a little weird for me because I, I always, and you know, I think this is maybe a complaint throughout the whole series is I really feel like they scale Superman to whatever they need at the time. Power wise. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Superman is only as strong as the plot allows him to be. Uh One of my, one of my observations from just the series as a whole is like, Apparently, the the only thing you need to beat the Justice League in most cases is like electricity, because like anytime <laughs> anyone gets zapped, you know, every, every single one of them is out. Um, They're done. <laughs> They're out. <laughs> and and when I was like a, a kid watching, like when this was originally airing, there I remember distinctly there was an episode where the Justice League cameos in Static Shock. And, yeah, yes, yes. I love it. He, I love it. He like he he beats essentially beats all of them. They're like brainwashed or something. I don't I forget the story points exactly, but they're brainwashed and he beats all of them. And now looking back, it's like watching this series, anytime there's like a, a taser, like everyone's they're done. taken out. And I'm like, okay, I can see how static shock <laughs> whooped all of them. That's actually so funny. I, 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 I enjoy it though, because obviously it's a kid's show and they're not trying to, and it's a short amount of time. They're trying mm-hmm. to keep it in the simplest version, but there are things that can defeat these people. But yeah, in this case, they really simplify it to like some sort of stun gun that <laughs> is all encompassing. Um, and another thing that really bugs me is I do love the flash in this version, but man, he will never be the first one to arrive at a, a location. It's like such a small detail, but he's running at full speed and he is never the first one on scene. <laughs> he doesn't. He takes the scenic route. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. It's funny, though. I, I like watching it on, re- on replay, actually, because I don't know. It keeps it fun. It's it's light, but also while being kind of heavy at times, if that oh, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like we had talked about earlier, they like they deal with a lot of like ethical, moral things throughout the series just of like what their power entails. And uh, they talk about a lot about the like line of like not killing. It's always the theme. I love it though. I don't know why I'm so into it because Superman really could just destroy anyone and everyone. (laughs) And that makes me feel so vindicated about Zack Snyder's take on Superman. Man of Steel was very controversial because at the end of it, he kills Zod, spoiler alert, so he doesn't kill more innocent people. Um, and then that's what kind of like makes him take this firm stance. And so watching these, like people felt that that was so foreign for Superman, but watching these shows back, it's like, no, that's that what it's always it has about always with him. kind of been there. It's about like this God having to self, you know, regulate. So he doesn't abuse his power. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, 
I do really like this version of him. I think, and I really apologize. I know we are just talking about the Justice League, but I did watch Justice League Unlimited too because I'm a big nerd. (laughs) And so I may slip in references from there as well. But I believe this is where we get Superman's uh, world of cardboard speech, which I know this is not the only place he does it, but when he like really lets go. And I'd love to think about that about Superman. Like even sometimes his steps could probably destroy the cement beneath him. He's like always keeping everything in check at all times. Like even a handshake would be hard for him not to just break every bone in the other person's hand. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you get glimpses of that here. Obviously the whole show's not about him, but they they are really good at working in those storylines kind of naturally. Yeah. Out of the cast, Martian Manhunter is probably the the least well-known character of the bunch and what i really appreciate about this series is that they brought this kind of unless you were like a hardcore comic book fan like i probably wouldn't i probably didn't know who martian manhunter was before this show and they really brought him to the fore where then he was in you know young justice and he's all in these future iterations of the the justice league although he was in the comics in the 50s i think an original member i agree but just still not as well known Yeah, had never been portrayed. And you know what I love about him is he's just as strong, if not stronger than Superman. Mm -hmm. They're two different aliens from two different worlds, but John has a little bit different set of abilities. But one, he seems to match up strength for strength. He can fly. The dude can shape shift and phase through things and read minds. And he's only weak to fire. Fire is his electricity. Electricity is to all the other leaguers what what fire is to John. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I was doing a a good, long, hard think about it. And if you match the power scales, like the punches, I, I bet John's the strongest one on this team in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, he should be, right, theoretically. What I noticed throughout this whole series is that, like, Yes, he's a telepath, but he's like the world's shittiest telepath. <laughs> like any, anytime there's one other telepath, he's immediately overwhelmed, has a migraine, falls to the ground. There's that. Oh, that happens so many times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's that Morgan Le Fay episode where he's like, anytime there's any mental illusion, he just falls for it immediately. <laughs> it, 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 no seconds. questions asked. Um, he's He's like... DC's uh, version of Vision, who is now also kind of a a B-list character brought to the forefront of mainstream media. And here's what I think is one of the great shames of DC characters in modern film mm-hmm. is, yes, there's this whole Marvel versus DC debate. And yes, the Marvel movies absolutely blow the DC movies out of the water by far. Yes, we do like the DC movies, but the, the we're not dumb. The Marvel movies are better, way more successful. Yeah. And yeah. like, not even just with like the animated series, they had laid this great precedent out, but almost all of their characters predate the Marvel characters by like 20, 30 years in some cases. That's right. Uh, and, and I think it's just, you know, it just makes me sad that like, you know, I have to be that super nerd that like clarifies that to people. It's like, well, actually, you know, John Jones predates the vision by uh, 15 years. No, I totally like, understand. And I totally get what you're same saying. Same power set. Like same thing with like Thanos and Darkseid. Like Darkseid predates Thanos, but Marvel beat DC to the punch to bring him to the big screen. It's crazy how that works. It really is. But um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, I, I'm always going to be a DC person, and it's probably a bit of that nostalgia of this cartoon, in all honesty. This is what has mm-hmm. latched me into them. It's what has made me re- read a billion cartoons, or excuse me, a billion comic books online. Like, I never liked comic books before this. And so mm-hmm. I there's always a special place in my heart here. But yeah, the, the movies, they just didn't. I loved Zack Snyder's new Justice League, but... Obviously, it's a four-hour movie. It's not going to be for everyone. And it's like, it's very fan, uh, like, serving, if mm. that makes sense. Like, the fans are going to love it. The average moviegoer is probably going to be like, that was that was good or all right. Oh, or sure. a lot of people might hate it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I liked where they were going with it, though. I think it was setting up something cool. I know they uh, uh, aren't going to be able to finish it, or maybe they will, you know, hashtag or sort of the Snyderverse. But... <laughs> Uh, I think they were heading in a good direction. I think they were heading in a direction that was reminiscent of of something that we watched in in this cartoon, in all honesty. Not exactly the same, but uh, it laid a lot of similarities where it's uh, heavy heavy topics, big world stakes, very sci-fi, as you pointed out. It's it's a lot of sci-fi, which is really funny because uh, the Marvel movies don't feel as sci-fi as these ones do. Alien Mm -hmm. planets and uh, different dimensions, as you said. Yeah, so this episode might be a Trojan horse for us to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. But the the highest praise I can give that movie is that it plays like a Justice League animated series episode or story arc. Uh, it throws you into the deep end of DC Comics lore and doesn't yeah, really apologize definitely. for it or try to be like really cute about it like Joss Whedon did when he you know, made all his cuts to the, the 2017 version. Uh, I think it's definitely a much better movie. It may be way more DC Easter eggs and like in crowd knowledge than the average moviegoer might care for. But overall, like the the general consensus is that it's like way better than what came out in 2017. So, yeah, I'm glad that it happened. And I like it so much because they're just pulling so many elements like that were, you know, also shown in the Justice League animated series. Oh, that's probably a spoiler. I should probably bleep that. But shows up as a cameo. That wasn't in the 2017 version. Like, that's sweet. No, and it's great. And you know what? That's what something that... So to bring it back to the cartoon, the cartoon will throw new characters in with little to no explanation to who they are. Mm-hmm. Aquaman, uh, Doctor... Str- uh, excuse me, not Doctor Strange. I just pulled a bad one. <laughs> Doctor Fate. <laughs> and so... Um, and you know that's kind of what we were getting in Zack Snyder's thing is he was throwing characters in and what he was gonna say catch up to me later and I I enjoy that honestly Uh I'm okay with that I don't need them to have a solo movie first because this is how you get introduced to them in the first place is they hang out for a few episodes and then you learn some more the next time they come around yep well in season one the Aquaman story arc Aquaman's only in I think maybe two stories in the whole series uh, in this series, at least, um, the the first arc is pretty much the plot to Aquaman, the billion dollar Jason Momoa movie. It's- I know, and I actually hate this version of Aquaman. If I'm being honest, I like Zack Snyder's <laughs> an- Aquaman better than this yeah. one. This one's a dick. <laughs> this one's just a dick. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I mean, that whole you know brothers competing for the throne story plays out. Uh, at the end of it, he has to fucking cut his hand off. And it gets replaced <laughs> with a spear. Which is cool. Which is cool. Which is like, yeah, 
kind of cool. It's like it's a story that played out in the comics, and then eventually he got like a cool water hand, and then I think the whole universe got rebooted. So uh, I don't know how much of that will play into Jason Momoa's story arc, but like a lot of these stories are resonated, I'll say, in the modern DC movies. Uh, I, f- I think it's the Savage Time where they go back in time to like World War Two. Yeah, Wonder Woman meets Steve Trevor, and like his first introduction is him running away from a, a spy base, getting into a plane, and flying away. And I was like, that's how Chris Pine was introduced to us as Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, the movie, and like there's a lot of those plot elements in there. It's awesome. I actually think another thing, and I'm just now realizing this is we're kind of looking over and talking about all these. This show was so good at using a wide array of of DC villains. Mm -hmm. Because I think DC's villains are strong. I think they have a strong hold on really good villains. And they got a really diverse group here. Like we were talking about Morgan Le Fay earlier. Uh, There's Vandal Savage, who's one of the biggest. Darkseid makes an appearance here. Solomon Grundy's in a lot of episodes, I feel like. Um, There's Sinestro. There's Lex Luthor, there's Brainiac, like you get all the good ones and, 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 and you, I, it doesn't feel forced, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It's not like a new villain every time. Uh-huh. It's funny how many like different reasons they come up with different villains to to like gang together. Like the first time, I think it's Injustice for All where Lex Luthor is like running QB for all the villains. He yeah. gathers all of them together. He's going to pay them all. And I remember, so that episode came up and then I thought there's that like gorilla villain with the big brain. I was like, oh, I, is that Grodd? Like, I thought I it was like too and it's not. Many, it's not. It's not. It's not. How many gorilla villains can there be? But it's not. It's this some ultra humanite guy. But <laughs> I was like, that's so funny to me that there's multiple gorilla villains in this series. You know who's someone I like who makes this appearance in Injustice for All that I don't know I see him too many other places is this guy, The Shade. He's got like the top hat mm-hmm. and the glasses and the cane and he protrudes shadows everywhere. He's pretty badass. And the Joker's in this one too and it's it's the it's the good Joker voice. Good ah, Joker. I love this Joker. So as iconic as Kevin Conroy is as the Batman, this iteration of the Joker is probably how most of us like hear or recollect him, uh, voiced by Mark Hamill, the Mark Luke Skywalker yes, himself. Yes, the Mark Hamill, the goat. Do you have any more episode really big highlights? I want to run through a couple of questions for you. I don't know if this is a good time, but I just uh, I wrote down yeah. some questions. Again, most of my notes are, are voices, so I'll run through a couple <laughs> of them. Yeah, let's hear it. In the second story arc, uh, in Blackest Night. Uh, the prosecutor who's charging John Stewart with crimes is voiced by Red Foreman. I don't remember the guy's name, but oh, I told oh, you know. I knew that one instantly. I you didn't even <laughs> I I forgot he was the prosecutor, but I knew instantly what you were talking about. Yeah, put a foot in your ass. <laughs> what does he say? Is that what he says? Yeah. <laughs> I forget. Uh, oh, the the Allstate insurance guy voices Kilowog in the Green Lantern Corps. You're joking? No, go back and listen to it. Wow, what an obscure. (laughs) I feel like I know the Green Lantern oath better than I know the Pledge of Allegiance (laughs) because of this show. Like, I don't know. That's always stuck with me for whatever reason. I remember it, too. When they started doing it, it came to me instantly. Yeah. Um, In the the War World story arc, the guy who voices Mongol 
face would probably be recognizable and not necessarily the name. His name's Eric Roberts. He is the guy who plays the like the Falcone gangster in uh, Batman Begins. Oh, the guy I who gets love that guy. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That whole War World felt very Thor Ragnarok. Granted, obviously, War World was first, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they get sent to like an uh, extraterrestrial slave. Uh, they're like fighters. I don't even know. Warriors. And they just uh, live or die. Gladiators. That's the term I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what, what questions did you, did you have? So one of the things I think is really unique here is it, just in the DC universe, there's like some places you really need to know that just exist in this earth. Themyscira being one, Atlantis being another. And then you have to also know like some alien planets, not a ton of them by any means, but there's a lot of alien home planets, if if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you like this aspect of these like hidden worlds on Earth? Uh, it's it's something kind of different. I feel like Wakanda would have been my closest thing when I was taking notes here. Uh huh. Wakanda, and I mean, I think Atlantis does exist in some form in the. Marvel then it's ca- then it's confirmed. The Atlantis is a real place. But here. there's Thanagar. There's Oa. There's Apocalypse, um, and I forget what the like the good version of that where the other new gods are. There's the Lantern Core, which is way far off. Like they do a lot of deep space travel. Mm-hmm. Another one of my notes is like half the Justice League is like cops or soldiers in some form. Green Lantern is a ex Marine, I believe, or yeah, former yeah. Marine. I shouldn't say ex, former Marine. Uh, John, John Jones led the resistance, uh, on Mars and, and lost. True. Uh, hot girl was, uh, military or yeah, like, for sure. Military espionage for Thanagar. Barry Allen, uh, is a, is a friend or no, sorry, not Barry Allen. Actually, Barry Allen is, and also Wally West are, uh, forensic scientists in Central yes. City yep. for the police department. Batman famously works very closely with the Gotham Police Department. <laughs> Pro-cops pro superhero team, which I, I feel a little <laughs> That's actually about. so funny. And I'm trying to think, like, even... Yeah, it, it's all of them have some form of <laughs> connection to that. Man, that is... That's pretty classic. Good observation. <laughs> One more voice I had, Vandal Savage. So I, I think Savage Times is the last arc in season one. Uh, but Vandal Savage is voiced by Phil Morris, who is an actor who plays Martian Manhunter John Jones in the Smallville live action series. Ooh. So they really like keep it in the family. It's interesting. Which is kind of cool. I like I like that these people kind of go in and are like are circulated around the DC universe and, and will play different characters. Um one one arc that I don't want to leave out. Hit me from season one, at least. That's a, a honorable mention for one of my favorite episodes. Is the Legends uh, episode? Oh, it's, it's where amazing. They are blasted into an alternate universe, um, and classic DC style. Mm-hmm, and they encounter another superhero team, the Justice Guild of America, and they just all seem like one one or two shades off. Great way uh, to put it. Great arc. way to put it the justice league that we have. Um, and they're all supposed to be different takes on, uh, the justice society of America, which is the super DC superhero team that predates the justice league. Um, so it was the original flash who had like a, a weird 
Hermes helmet. Yeah. Um, an original Green Lantern who was separate from the Green Lantern core. Um, but so, yeah, they have these like kind of translated versions in this arc. And at first they're fighting against the Justice League and then like they kind of figure out what's going on and it turns out it's all this like mental illusion that um, resulted from a telepath who got his powers from like nuclear fallout or some weird shit. But this kid is like disfigured and like... Yeah, that world had been destroyed. And he had created this whole illusion. But what why it stands out to me is because I think to draw another bridge to like Marvel and what they do really well and what this show does really well. So this superhero team figures out that they are illusions. They are imaginary constructs of this, this disfigured, you know, telepaths imagination. It's so meta and freaky. Yeah. And I was like, this reminds me a lot of WandaVision, like this traumatizing event, this imaginary world that's created. Um, and then the heroes of this world who are not real have to sacrifice their own existence for the Ooh. greater good. Ooh. Uh, it hits hard. And that's exactly what happens in WandaVision. And I, I don't know. I just I just love that that uh, story beat of like the ultimate sacrifice. Like it's the that's why it's the ultimate sacrifice. Are you selfless enough to sacrifice yourself and everything you know mm -hmm. for the greater good and they do and they do and it was it was really cool um kind of related to that is the savage time yeah <laughs> it's an so this is another episode where they go into an alternate timeline or universe it takes them a minute to figure out what's going on <laughs> you guys have already been to like several alternate dimensions universes timelines like you it should be on the checklist <laughs> yeah that should be the second or third guess on your checklist that's yeah. so funny <laughs> act like you've been here before like come right on. come on guys come on be professionals here be professionals um it, it's real sci-fi and real dirty but for some reason i'm so in on the alternate timelines different dimensions things mm -hmm. working out differently the alternate reality versions of so and so i don't know why that really does it for me because i like taking a different look at some of these superheroes and what they look like if things go a little differently in the timeline yeah and there's a lot of source material in the comics for that because they reboot comics you know every five to ten years usually yeah. or probably sooner in all honesty um but it's a cool way to work those in like the Le legends one that you're talking about. That's like such a cool little callback to the first, you know, published comics that they did. And they worked mm -hmm. it in, in a very justice league kind of way. It wasn't like weird. Well, it was a little weird, but it was supposed <laughs> to be, that was like the point of it. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that in season two, there's, I think it's called better, a better world where yeah. again, yeah. this is, this might be my favorite. Uh, story it could line. be the most. This is the most. I would say Zack Snyder-y story in the yeah. whole Justice League <laughs> series. But it shows a future where um, the Justice League have kind of crossed their moral boundaries and they are willing to kill. And that, and so they end up taking over the world because they will just lobotomize villains with Superman's heat vision. Uh, it's wild. It starts with uh, with Superman killing President Lex Luthor in retaliation. Um, because he, um, he killed the, Flash. because he kills the flash. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot. Yeah. He killed the flash. I love that. That's the catalyst for it too. Like that's the line where Superman's like, 
at anyone but the Flash. Like, I don't know why. That's, like, really cute to me, though. Like, Superman's like, you killed the Flash? <laughs> I don't know why. That's, like, funny to me that that's his line. Yeah, I'd say the Flash is very much, like, kind of the heart of the show. Or yeah. the team, at least, in the show. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, But, yeah, so then this iteration, this dimension, they call themselves the Justice Lords because they lord, lord over the world, and then they want to abduct the other dimensions, like our Justice League's Flash, to their dimension because he's still, still alive. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, so the, the, the episode's about them, like, very much. They're jealous. They're so jealous. Yeah, it's about them fighting their, you know, alternate selves, uh, but it's oh, it's about like morality and like what lines you're willing to cross and a look at if things go a little differently. Uh-huh. Batman in particular has a conversation with his alternate self about like, like, what's the point of just fighting crime? Because crime will, you know, perpetuate itself if you're just if you're not willing to put an end to it. And and so they they have a lot of those like philosophical debates in this episode, which I love. Yeah, that's always a good Batman conundrum is he's like, I'm doing I'm doing things the right way going through justice, you know, blah, blah, blah versus like, nah, if, if you don't kill these criminals, they're just going to come back. Mm-hmm. This reminds me, I had written down first, I, I don't know what episode in season one, but there was an episode that starts out with like Batman responding to a, like an apartment fire. Why is he responding to that? <laughs> he's, like, he's the world's greatest detective. He's that's not so the funny. world's greatest firefighter. <laughs> uh, that's that's really funny, actually. All right, I got a good question for you. What um, if you could have one of their superpowers? What do you think you would want? What which one of their superpowers? Like a whole character's powers, or just anyone in particular? We don't need to get technical with it. I'll let you decide. Uh, I'll say the Flash. I that's a great one. I feel like he's another character who has. His powers are written to match the scale of the story. <laughs> what about you? Um, you know, the Flash would be really great. It would just, like, you'd never be late. Somehow, like I said, the Flash does manage to be late. But there's something mm-hmm. about, always when I was a kid, I loved the Green Lantern rings. Like, I would, a, a Green Lantern ring would be so cool. And mm-hmm. I, like these other heroes, I imagine you'd be kind of hard to beat someone with a green lantern ring. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I it was out of order, but I'm not really uh, too concerned with that. I really enjoy the Christmas episode that they have. I'm not normally one to really like enjoy a good Christmas special, uh-huh. but there's there's a few things I like really that like really stood out to me in this episode. Okay. Um I really loved the Flash's whole storyline of like going to the orphanage and getting the kids that and then like talking Grodd into the spirit of Christmas. I really enjoyed that. That was like, (laughs) that's like, that's one thing I love about the Flash is like he has a city that he protects and really represents and they Mm -hmm. just love him. They are like all about the Flash. It's all about the Flash there where like Gotham is always like, Batman, is he a criminal a scum or, you know what I mean? And then Superman's more worldly than that. So like Metropolis is his home. Yeah. But so the Central City loves Flash. And you see that in this episode. He's got like celebrity endorsements. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a, yeah, that's a really great plot too, where he takes a celebrity endorsement. Um, but the other thing I really enjoyed about this Christmas episode, it's called Comfort and Joy. It's uh, actually like the second to last story arc they do, is Superman takes... John home to his parents for Christmas. And like, it's really cool 
when you see Superman be more human than like a lot of the humans on the team. Mm-hmm. Cause like Superman does have that side. And that's part of what really makes him interesting is yeah, he's the man of steel slash God unbeatable, but at the core and the reason he's a good guy and why he's a, a, a superhero is because he's, he's like really human on the inside. And that's the part of himself that he like values. Mm-hmm. I think one thing this showed does really well in concert with the scaling of his powers is like they really, it would be so easy to make him the star of the show, but uh, to their credit, I think they purposefully maybe underutilized him a bit. Sure. Just because, I mean, he is the original superhero, the most popular character of, of all time, basically. So this show really allows some of that spotlight for these, these lesser known characters um, like Martian Manhunter yeah, uh, like Hawkgirl, like the Green Lantern. I totally agree. Um, but one episode that does feature him that I really enjoy is Hereafter, which is the third and last story that features Vandal Savage in, in this series. And I love that with Vandal Savage, they do th- three arcs with him. Yeah. One rooted in the past, which is the Savage Time in World War II. One in the present where he tries to marry like a... Uh, Oh, a princess. Mm-hmm. And then the one in the f- far-flung future. So in this episode, uh, Superman's like atomized by this beam by a villain. And everyone thinks he's dead. But really, he's just launched into the future to basically the end of the world where there's no one left living except Vandal, Vandal Savage. Savage. And he's just walking around like reconstructing his own metropolis or whatever. But like, and he's kind of good now well yeah no because he's had time to think it's one of my favorite storylines in general is like the immortal man and that is vandal savage and it's so it's it's cool that we get to see him as a villain throughout all of history because he's there throughout all of history but it's cool to see after civilization ends like the reflecting that he's done and like he's like no i totally see the error of my ways. I've had time to think of on all this and oh man, just you can hear the loneliness, the desperation for a camaraderie. He's like, no Superman. Like I want to prove to you. Like I'm, I'm, I will help you. Like I am not the guy I once was. Yeah. And, and so in this episode in the future, the, the sun has started dying and fading into a red star, which if you're familiar with the comics, it's so great. Uh, Superman, Draws his power from the yellow sun. It's such a nice touch. Yeah. And so without it, he is now just a regular mortal. And he's wandering this post-apocalyptic future. And he has to team up with Vandal Savage, one of his enemies, to get himself back to the past. And so, yeah, I just thought it was it's another cool, like, super kind of sci-fi concept episode. It's not about him, you know, fighting Lex Luthor for the... 30th time like it's unique it's really unique and different before we touch on the last arc of uh of the whole series season two are there any standouts from one or two that we Ooh, we, we covered so a far? lot of the really good standouts let me just take a quick look here um while you're doing that i'm gonna i think run through my last interesting voice actors that had roles on this show do it so in the first arc of season two, which includes Darkseid and uh, Darkseid and the new gods, Ron Perlman, who plays Hellboy in the live action Hellboy movies, yeah, which is another comic book series. He was in Sons of Anarchy. He was the head of the biker club in Sons of Anarchy. Yes. Pretty heavy hitter. Alongside him, 
Uh, Darkseid is voiced by this guy named Michael Ironside, which looked him up, looked familiar, and I'm fairly certain he plays Todd's uncle in Community, the war vet who defends him in <laughs> the biology class trial. That's too obscure. <laughs> <laughs> Super obscure, but he does a great job at voicing Darkseid. And then uh, another Community actor, Keith David, uh, Elroy Potashnik from Community, voices Despero in Heart and Mind. Wow. And also the Flame King in Adventure Time. Classic. But Had no idea. Who would have known? Um, so many so many great obscure actors uh, popping up throughout the series. I totally agree. I, I really also like um, this version of Lex Luthor. I actually think this is what I think of when I think of Lex Luthor is this version of him where he's like got many endeavors, many t- possible team ups, tries to go the government route. He's literally just like always plotting and scheming. Um, I'm not sure if I'm mixing this or uh, Justice League Unlimited, but there's one where he fuses with Brainiac and then uh, is like like a heroin addict needs that ultimate the thirst for knowledge again. It's pretty great to see. I think that's Justice League Unlimited if uh, it, I'm not sure. but I think so, yeah. It's a great series. But so this version of Lex Luthor is really great. Which reminds me, I don't know how I forgot. I think we've talked about it in a previous episode, but this version of Lex Luthor is voiced by Clancy Brown, the man, long thing yeah. from Avatar, Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. We did. Uh, he's he also had a live action role in the Flash live action CW series. It's great. I think. Wow, these people get around. I really love it. I love it. Yeah, these voice actors are all. If I were reading it off the page, like these are the voices I hear because this is what I grew up with. Yep. All right. Who's your favorite villain? Favorite villain. Ooh, that's tough. Um, Tall order. I know. This might be a hurried answer, but I really liked Amazo, the android who can Ooh. imitate all of the Justice Leaguers' um, powers. That's a great one. Or or the Justice Lords. Oh, the Justice Lords are pretty great because obviously we love the Justice League, and so that's uh, mm-hmm. that's always good. Who are you going with? Um, I love Brainiac. I don't know why his like quest to just like enslave or take over the whole universe like is really fun to me and so i think it's fun we see like brainiac versus dark side that's a weird introduction to me but totally plausible that those two would be out beefing in space you know what i mean yeah have conflicting interests yes um i've always really enjoyed they're not probably not my favorites but i love the concept of the royal flesh gang that there have just been ah yeah like that different been- gangs to take up this name because it's a pretty badass name. It's cool Amanda Waller's in that episode. It's like, I love that they really bring in characters that are from the comics. They don't really waste a lot of opportunities. These animated shows are so good that they pluck elements of them to put into the comics. Yeah. Harley Quinn is an example. Harley Quinn was written into Batman the Animated Series. Yep. So she went from there to into the comics and now she's like a headliner of the dc extended universe in film has her own movie i think she's like being written as kind of like a, a hero or an anti like on the good yeah. guy side now yeah she's on the suicide squad which is always a cool concept like i'm saying they they love their villains um and then i think another example and this is not as much because i know he was a comic book character first but cyborg kind of making his way up into 
a founding member of the Justice League. I think, I swear to God, a lot of his popularity comes from the Teen Titans cartoon, which is, which is a top notch cartoon, man. DC has amazing cartoons like throughout the, the years, Mm -hmm. Batman beyond. We talked about the first two animated series. These young justice is amazing. DC animated material. Um, and then, like I just said, Teen Titans is actually, I would say that might be one of my favorites of, of their animated stuff. Yeah, Teen Titans is up there. I think I would, say, I would probably go with, I mean, I'm going to set Batman the Animated Series aside because that's like an Emmy Award winning show that has been lauded uh, so many awards already. All right, you snob. <laughs> I'm going to say Justice League, Teen Titans, and uh, here's an oddball one for you. Batman the Brave and the Bold. Oh, that is such a great one. You know, Blue Beetle, that's someone we see a lot of in mm. that. I love that series. I like that Aquaman. If we're talking about a good Aquaman, <laughs> that's a good Aquaman in Batman the Brave and the Bold. And honestly, uh, Diedrich Bader, who was <clears throat> on the Drew Carey show sitcom, killer job as Batman. I He's one of my favorite to have done yeah, it, I totally to be agree. honest. Totally um, agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. I love when Batman gets on like misadventures. Mm-hmm. I guess we should quickly wrap up the se- the last arc of season yeah. two. The twist ending. Yeah. It's again, this kind of like twilight zoning concept where there's the justice league fights one alien race or like one invading ship or scout ship from an in- invading race. And then they're offered this assistance by the Thanagarians yep. who we know Hawkgirl is one of. And then it's revealed she is uh, like a, a scout, basically, but kind of a spy. Just yeah. there to learn about the human race. This is a very DC um, storyline, and I'm into it because I feel like the times they do it, it, it usually feels unique, but this is a classic alien invasion story. They love a good aliens are invading Earth story. Uh, Mm -hmm. for the Justice League to save them. And this one, they're like deeply rooted in Earth because the Earthlings have let them be there for a long-ass time building, which is so dumb. Like Superman's actually helping them construct shit at one point. Yeah, well, yeah, so the the story they're given is that they're using it as like a a fueling station, I don't know. Uh, No, a planetary defense system. Yep, they're going to help them build up their defenses. So seemingly well-intentioned, but there's a a darker motive behind, which um, in her defense, Hawkgirl was not aware of. I love that Batman's the one that discovers the ruse. Like Batman literally is like the one that discovers every, oh, Mm -hmm. they've been lying to us. It's always Batman, the world's greatest detective. Um, So yeah, Hawkgirl's loyalties are tested. Uh, She betrays, you know, she knocks John out cold at times um she also he wasn't aware that she's betrothed to Hawkman. that was harsh yeah um so like she's battling between these two two worlds and two love interests and betrays both of them at points in the story um but eventually comes back on the on the side of the good guys she ends up 
resigning from the Justice League after all is said and done. I know. She, uh, they like put it up to a vote and she doesn't even hear him out. She just says, you know what? I've done enough damage and I'm going to resign. What a move. She had a very heartfelt moment with Alfred. Alfred is one of the most underrated characters in the whole thing. Yes, absolutely. That was a weird move in my part because they were going to let her stay, right? Isn't that what the Flash says? He's like, we voted to let you stay. And she's like, nah. I'm leaving anyways, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, you sometimes you got to make amends for the mistakes that you made. She makes yeah. a big mistake. She literally she what it is, is it's a classic story of someone comes here with dark motives. And then along the way, they're like, oh, no, I don't want to betray these earthlings. But it's too late because she's been lying to them for so long. Mm-hmm. And they do play this relationship out in um, Justice League Unlimited. There's a. Uh, you know, there's a lot of classic uh, story plot lines there. Yeah, I'm excited to watch through that again. It's been a while. Yeah, it's a different I show. Have. I enjoyed this because it does focus on them. But like you said, it's not always focused on every character. They swap through them a little bit. There's usually one or two missing from an episode. So uh, and then there's like an A and a B story. So it works well. You spend a lot of time with a lot of different people and get a lot of good stories here. Like I said, it it. A lot of this feels very like, or I guess like Zack Snyder, the way he told his new movie, it feels a lot like this. I don't know how mm-hmm. how to describe it, but the feel is similar. Yeah, it um, it approaches the source material like without being tongue in cheek. Yes. I really found his director's cut to be so reminiscent of like the tone of, of and, and scale All right. of Justice League. Yes, scale's a good term. So you know what? I think this is a good point to say uh, we're probably going to get into some Zack Snyder oh, hell yeah. cut of the <laughs> Justice League here. I, I think we, this is a good spot to say there's going to be spoilers. Heavy, maybe not uh, heavy Yeah. A lot of spoilers. Oh, I'm going to heavy spoiler. Okay. So yeah. no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but so we're going to talk a little bit about that because that was the inspiration for this episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we we compared a lot of the things, what we saw here versus what we saw in this movie. So if you haven't seen that or you just don't care to listen to it, now's a good time to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we hope we hope you join us next time. But we're going to get into some 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 non-cartoon talk before we dive into it i just want to set the stage a little bit like yeah yeah the, yeah the arduous journey as a fan base that we've been on to get to this point where we are seeing this version of justice league that is so different than what we saw in theater theaters in 2017 so after you know, the box office smashing success of the Dark Knight trilogy. Warner Brother wanted to to keep making movies and they saw the success that Marvel had with Iron Man and they wanted to take a similar approach and they weren't going to have Christian Bale or um, Christopher Nolan again, but Christopher Nolan uh, was a producer and consulted on Man of Steel. So they brought in Zack Snyder to kind of be the Kevin Feige of of the. Disney Is that how you say his name? I think so. I, what, Kevin Feige. That's what we're gonna go with. Okay, that's what we'll go with. Sure. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, but they brought him in to direct Man of Steel and do, reboot Superman because the previous director Brian Singer. and I really like Man of Steel you love Man of I, Steel though. I love Man of Steel it's you know I have there are problems with dialogue which I think extends through all of Zack Snyder's DC movies so he's first rebooted um uh Superman brought in 
Henry Cavill, who I think is the perfect portrayal of Superman. He looks just, he looks so much like him. Yeah. Crazy jawline built like, <laughs> like a God. And his take was a little divisive because it was a little dark in tone, but it was a lot of like, how would the world interact? Like if there were actually this superpowered human being. And I, I, for one really like that take. I don't know how you feel about it. Oh, agree. I, that's what I like about it. I mm-hmm. think that's what I, I am obsessed with the Christopher Nolan trilogy of Batman. And I think what I like about it is it's a very realistic take on what it would be like if these uh, superheroes and villains were in modern day society. And so I think that's a good look at like, you know, the daily planet stuff is a little corny with the paper and mm-hmm. the, it's a fun poke at how the paper's dying and all that. But, um, I, I I'm into bringing it into the 21st century and what it would be like in modern day. And I'm actually, I'm one of those people who I don't hate Batman versus Superman. So oh. I know there's a lot of critics of Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. out there, but, uh, I was worried that Ben Affleck was going to be terrible, and he, I guess I set a really low bar because I actually enjoy him as Batman. And I love that movie as well. That one's even more divisive. But yeah. yeah, so Man of Steel ends with Superman killing, you know, snapping General Zod's neck. It's a great scene because I feel like I was not expecting it when it happened at all. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the let's get to the Justice League though, because that's a four hour movie as is. Okay, I'll I'll wrap up my my brief history. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, after so that was 2013. Uh, Avengers had come out, so WB wants to do their own team up movies, so they like skip a couple steps. And where Marvel had like a handful of movies to get to Avengers, they wanted to do it in like three. And so that's where we get this, these rushed introductions and, and, uh, and then this like real strong pivot in tone. And they brought in another director to finish the original Justice League, uh, which bombed by like big Hollywood. Yeah, because they spent a lot of money on it too. Mm-hmm. And because now we're in a pandemic and making new material is not, uh, you know, as, as plausible. Uh, they they greenlit Zach and invited him to finish his movie. And that's how we get to Zack Snyder's Justice League. I never thought we'd see it. Even when you, I'm pretty sure you either sent me a tweet or an article and you were like, dude, they're releasing Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. And I was like, what? I was like, I've, I was like, why? I was like, I've never heard of that. And then you were like, and the crazier thing is it's going to be four hours long. And I said, okay, well now I know this is not true. <laughs> and here we are though. Here we are with a four hour version of Zack Snyder's justice league. Yeah. And I, um, I did my own midnight premiere. I was so excited for this because so I read a lot of stuff. I think it was either from cast or crew when the 2017 one came out. And one of the quotes was like, this is not even the same movie we made. And I was like, how is it that someone's able to edit a movie and do a couple of reshoots and make a totally different film? I I was kind of a disbeliever. I was like, that can't be true. And so I was really curious. And man, this, this was so, it made so much more sense. I think that was the biggest difference is it, it it puts so much context around the 2017 version that I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this makes sense. Why that was why this happened? Why this happened? Why this happened? It, it, granted, you know, no, and 
no normal studio is going to be producing four hour movies, but I am mm-hmm. so damn glad that not only did he get to finish the movie because of the unfortunate tragedy that happened in his life that had mm-hmm. had him step away from the first project, but I'm glad that he actually got to do it like uninterrupted. You know what I mean? Yeah. I imagine, imagine he does finish the movie. The studio's still going to make him chop a lot of that out or down granted it probably would be better than the 2017 one but it's still not going to be this very epic tale that we got yeah the 20 you know people call it justice league the Ah, i hate that name i hate that name but i hate that movie (laughs) it's funny but yeah yeah but uh the yeah the joss whedon version basically cut out all of cyborg's backstory and kind of reduced him to be like the tech guy. And then they, you know, they threw in the, the Teen Titans animated show catchphrase of Booyah. And, you know, which I don't know. It was just, it, they made it try. They tried doing Joss Whedon's Avengers with in Zack Snyder's, you know, DC universe that he had started building the framework for. And it just felt very off. Um, it just felt different, and a lot of people it was com- a it was a Frankenstein of their two styles of movies, yep. is what it is. Yep, yep. But even like the color grading is is like way more bright and colorful than Zach's movies. What did you think of Superman's black suit in this? I I liked it a lot. It's a nod to the you know Death of Superman story from the comic books. I will admit. Uh, at 3 a.m., I was like, dumb. <laughs> I was like, dumb. But then when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm actually kind of into it now. Yeah. But, you know, I, I did a midnight premiere, so I was uh, not tired at 3 a.m., but maybe not. I was like, your other suit's right there, dude. I can see it in the background. Uh, um, I, I think it works on a couple levels. One, it's a nod to Death Superman 2. It's kind of like a you know, it's referencing that he just came back from the dead. It's like, you know, he's coming from his funeral. He, he's a, he's a bit of a different person. I like yeah. it. I was into it the second time around. Like I said, one, one thing I read today that Zack Snyder said was that like, uh, of how he justifies it. It's like two the in-world logic is like Superman gets his powers from the sun, darker objects absorb oh, more logic. Light. <laughs> and so like, yeah, it'll supercharge him right after he comes back from the dead. I love that. The, it made so much more sense. Like why? And like the pacing of bringing back Superman. Mm-hmm. Cause the first time, I don't want to say it didn't make sense because to me it's like, you know, you should always want to bring back Superman, yeah. but like this one, the, it just made so much more sense how they got to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> early in the movie, there's a couple things that I thought were funny uh wonder woman's first scene kills two people <laughs> in, <laughs> in the heat of battle um that scene was great though but yeah the fight was even like it was way cooler but she throws one dude's head straight into a concrete yeah. wall she, she, <laughs> oh man and then she vaporizes the like the <laughs> the main terrorist i was like oh damn this is a different movie because she just killed two people <laughs> Yeah, it was a serious threat, and she took it seriously. Uh huh. I think it was funny that Cyborg's first use of his powers was to like uh, siphon money from a bank. Granted, for a good purpose, you know, he was like being Robin scene. Hood, giving to the poor. But that scene really touched me up, actually. Yeah, the Cyborg introduction in this one versus the 2017 version was literally night and day, mm-hmm. and it was one of the most important parts of the film. It's really, really stunning that Joss Whedon looked at a lot of this footage and was like, well, we don't need any of this. So 
the cyborg stuff, just the the bag. The, it wasn't even that long of a scene. I feel like between the football game and no. then him talking to his mother about about he's like my dad's. He's always at the lab. He's never there. Into the car accident. It was oh the emotion in that scene was great, and it's really shocking that it was left out the first time around. When he does communicate with Diana in the Batcave, he like. You know, he types out his his chat message, but like all the letter, it looks like magazine clippings where they're all you know different fonts and stuff. And I'm like, it's a, yeah, it's a computer it, message. Why are you bothering changing the like fonts? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want it traced back to him. <laughs> no, what that's showing is he doesn't have perfect control over it yet, okay, Evan. Okay, He's still learning. A, okay. I'm just messing. I have no idea. I just came up with that on the spot. Um, um, there's one really sweet moment. Uh, when Bruce Wayne picks up Flash from his little hideout, uh, they pull out in the car, get on the freeway, but there's a, a, a billboard nearby and it's for the American um, Foundation for Suicide Prevention because the movie's dedicated to his daughter, Autumn, who committed suicide during production of the first, you know, go around yeah. in Justice League. So that is really nice. I like that a lot. Um, Man, but this Snyder cut, the scenes just because they don't feel as rushed and he really gets time to do whatever the hell he wants. They're just so grandiose and epic. Mm -hmm. Like I always go back to the history lesson of when um, when Darkseid first tried to take over Earth, how the Atlanteans, the Amazons, man, the old gods and even a couple of Green Lanterns mm-hmm. all come together and lay the whoop on Dark Side. It's fun. It's a really, really great scene, though. Yeah. And in the 2017 version, it's just a couple cutaways, whereas we get to see this whole battle play out. And it has it serves very little to the plot of the story, but it's really yeah, fun. It remi- really it's epic. like a Lord of the Rings scene, like the scale of the battle. One noticeable change uh that i picked up right away is that uh mara has an accent which is it a different actress no it's the same actress but you know so this was all shot before 2017 i thought it was a different actress i liked this one better Uh, but if it's just the wow it's crazy how an accent could do that isn't that funny yeah i like thought it was a totally different person (laughs) but maybe that speaks to uh them allowing James Wan creative a little more creative control on the Aquaman movie, which did huge numbers. It crossed the billion dollar market. It was the first yeah. DC movie to do so. He's great as Aquaman. We haven't talked about him, but do you like him as Aquaman? Jason Momoa? Yeah, absolutely. I like him in this movie more than maybe I did in Aquaman, to be honest, because he's a lot less like yeah. surf bro-y in this movie. I, I, I like that movie a lot, though. But he was great in this one. He had a lot more character moments with different members of the team that I feel like we didn't get the first time around. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I'm going really out of order, but I really like when uh, when he showed like a lot of sympathy for Cyborg right after his father passed away. He was the only one to be like, we're asking this kid to do something right after his father passed away. He's like, is that really the like he shows moment like really brief moments of just such deep compassion. Mm hmm. Um, another Mara note I wanted to bring up when she faces off against, uh, Steppenwolf, she has some pretty badass moments, but she also like blood bends. Yeah, that was pretty wild. The underwater fight scene was great. I feel like I, I ha- don't remember it in 2017 version too much, but, um, this one was mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah. I felt like 
a lot of the action scenes, there's just there's just more. Everything about this movie, there's just more. There's more backstory. There's more context. There's yep. more character moments. Great way to put it. Great way to put it. Which one of them is your favorite in the in the Snyder cut? Is it will, is it still Superman? No. Uh, Ooh. I I love Superman, but my favorite character in this movie, I will say, is the Flash, because he has the world saving moment in this movie. He does. Yeah, and that's probably my favorite scene of the movie, but I'm really impressed how Zach does Wonder Woman. I feel like she is, at least her fight scenes, uh, she got stuck to a decent amount of uh, plot explaining, which is not always great for like acting wise, Mm -hmm. but important to the story, obviously. But her fight scenes, I feel like he is just from the opening one to even her in the final battle. Zack Snyder really shows that she is the second strongest of all of them. Yeah. In Joss Whedon's version, when they're under the Gotham Harbor, uh, there's a moment where like the flash trips while he's running and then he like lands face first on like wonder woman's breast gal gadot refused to film that scene and so i'm so happy we didn't had a stunt double fill in but it's like why is that so important to your take of the film that's just joss's style yeah he needs those moment moments. I don't know why. It's the same. The, that one was one I was so glad was taken out. Mm-hmm. The other one was when Aquaman had the secret lasso of truth on him. Yeah. And the third one is the random family they have to save during the final, the random final battle. Eastern European family that we spend so re- much time with. So much time with in the Joss Whedon. That's, that was something that made me notice it in almost every like Marvel movie though, is they love spending time with a random civilian that the hero ends up saving somehow. That's like a super Avengers theme. And so that one, when, when I found out when Steppenwolf got there and was like, great, this place is abandoned. And I was like, that makes so much more sense instead of them living in this desolate (laughs) ass town. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They also, they, you know, Zach does. Zach did away with all of Joss Whedon's reshoots, so there's none of that left in this movie. A lot of the CGI changed. Steppenwolf was a noticeable difference. Yes. Huge upgrade for Steppenwolf. Story and CGI wise, it's no longer this like just like a regular suit of armor. It's this like living, moving, metallic, sharp, scaly thing. Yeah, it's great. It's really great, and. We just get so much more backstory and motive for him. You feel his motivation and why he's there and what he's doing. And like, not his passion because he's, you know, trying to kill millions of people. But like, you you understand what he's doing mm-hmm. now and why he's fighting so hard. He's not just some random lackey. Yeah. I was surprised at how much time we get to spend with Darkseid. I thought maybe there'd be there'd be that flashback to uh the first battle with all of mankind. But he's there throughout the third act. He's like the looming threat. He looms large. We hear him talk. 
there's the the nightmare uh you know future visions that all the characters get oh man that was a wild scene when they are trying to revive superman and cyborg is in the ship and the ship is fighting him tooth and nail mm-hmm. not to awaken the mother box and so he and th- so much so that he gets like i'm assuming it was like a digital version and he just processes these thoughts differently but visions of all their deaths mm-hmm. which was like Really graphic, really fast, but really not fast because, man, that is one thing I'll say is I, I think I read this somewhere, but like without the slow-mo, it's a two-hour movie. If you take out yeah. every slow-mo scene, it's like a two-hour movie. Um, um, and granted, some of them are really great, but there are some that are unnecessary. And uh, Zack Snyder loves slow motion. <laughs> it's great. It's great, though. Some of them are really great. Some of them are overkill. But um, I... I uh, the I don't remember what my main thought was, but the action, including the slow mo scenes, the action in this one is is a lot greater. Yeah, I love the the flash sequences we get. His um, when he's introduced, his introduction scene was so fun. Yeah, besides the hot dog, uh-huh. that was like a an A plus scene in my. Opinion. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> of course you did. You were like, because yeah. that's what your ass would do. That's exactly what you would do. That's why. <laughs> yeah. So that sequence was really cool, um, and then. At the very end, he has this like inner dialogue of like, okay, it's time you break your one rule. And he like runs past the speed of light. And so you've skipped to the very end. We're not talking about his introduction scene. But this is my this is my favorite scene in the movie, in all honesty. Same. So he's ready to do the speed of light charge for cyborg. He's running around in circles and then he fucks up. It's so classic flash and it explodes. He's too late. And that's where you get the dramatic cyborg going Barry and the whole thing explodes and he's literally too late. So that's where you could go into the part where he goes into his inner dialogue. It's so cool because so the, this like nuclear explosion uh, starts blowing past him. But before the explosion itself hits him, he starts having this dialogue and he's like, OK, got to do it. Runs backwards in time, breaks the speed of light. You see the ground reform. He's just like running through open space and it's a beautiful shot. He's running to a different point in time. The exact point. I love what he says. He's like, create your own future, create your own past. He's like, it's all right now. And oh, I don't know why that was so I don't know why I wasn't expecting it, even though that is a classic flash superpower but i loved even uh, when he rewind just a second with the mother box early on he he had some standout scenes power wise yeah. but that last scene where he reforms and then you see superman reform cell by cell you see cyborg reform right to the moment he needs oh it's it's really epic and really well done and it's really, really shocking to me that it was left out of the first movie. Yeah. In uh, in the 2017 version, he's reduced to, like, pushing the family's truck out of town. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm also really glad, uh, so after they finish this battle, they still have the, the victory shot. It's beautiful. All lined up on it's the It's a beautiful shot. Which is there in the 2017 cup. But I'm glad they got they got rid of the random, like, space flora and fauna that randomly spawned up after they beat <laughs> Steppenwolf in Joss Whedon's version. It became like a tropical paradise. And I was like, 
what is the movie is made like, so what? much more Why? sense on every level it's just wild it's really wild to me yeah. how night and day different it was and it's it really goes to show like it was not a perfect movie by any means but it fits with the the style of the first two movies it fits this trilogy much better and man does it it would have set up some epic movies just we get the introduction of Martian Manhunter. We get another vision, which we have to assume is canon at this point. Batman's had two of these nightmare visions of this future that's run by Superman, which I'm assuming is Dark Side coming back. He has control of Superman. And it's so great because it goes all the way back to a little time travel scene in Batman versus Superman. The Flash is like, it's Lois. It's always been Lois. And they were hinting that it's Lois that's going to calm Clark down when he's revived. But no, they're saying it's the death of Lois that causes this post-apocalyptic world that he keeps having these visions of. And I love this little ragtag group of people they have in the future. Cyborg, Flash, Batman, uh, Deathstroke, uh, Slade Wilson himself. Mm -hmm. They have Mira. And they have the Joker. Oh, they had Jared Jared Leto's The Joker. And you know what? He was much better this time around. Granted, he was only in one scene. Well, actually, I think he might have only been in one scene in Suicide Squad, maybe like one or two. Um, That scene between the Dark Knight, or I always call him that, Batman and the Joker, was phenomenal was a really strange note to end on i really didn't think that was going to be like the second to last thing we really got Mm -hmm. in the movie you know what i mean it was it was really ominous and like i said it was setting up for more which makes a lot of sense now um i think what this version of the movie does it offers redemption for so many parties jared leto as the joker uh this offers redemption for i think Henry Cavill as Superman. You know, there's the the fucking CGI lip. If he had left on that note uh, as Superman, I would have felt so bad because I think he has a great take on the character. I think what him and Zack Snyder yeah, have built. totally agree. I won't say he's better or worse than anyone, but I'll say he's my Superman. He fills out the role better than... And, okay, and now I'm saying he fills out the role better than anyone. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, and it also offers redemption... For Zack Snyder, who yeah, people have, you know, he was a kind of divisive director as is. And after the middling reception of Man of Steel and Batman uh, versus Superman, people were like, I mean, Warner Brothers wanted to move on from this this universe, basically. Um, but it's like, hey, he had a really good movie here. Yeah. He only shot two new scenes for... Uh, his Snyder cut, which were the new Batman and Joker interaction in the nightmare vision for the future um, and the Martian Manhunter moment, which I mean, (laughs) they only had $70 million for, you know, to, to wrap up his director's cut. But I will say the CGI for Martian Manhunter did not look great, which is unfortunate no, they did. I mean, they did him dirty. Yeah, it was not good. He looks like like a video game cutscene, I'll say. Um, and I've they've done better. They in the yeah. Supergirl CW show, 
they do a really good job, like uh, like a good makeup job of that character. And maybe they couldn't get the actress together or, you know, couldn't because of the pandemic. But I'm starting to lose my voice because I'm talking so much about this is how much I love uh, Zack Snyder's DC movies and Zack Snyder's Justice League and DC characters and comics in general. No, it's totally um, understandable. It's really epic. It's great. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the Snyder Cut? Whew, it's just, it's it's really great redemption for a lot of these characters. I think The Flash is better. I think Cyborg is better. I think Aquaman's better. I think every character has an improvement from last time. Granted, that's going to happen with a four-hour movie, but just the total tone of this movie just felt so on par, and it felt really grand and epic, and that was what I was looking for it. And it really brought to life these old cartoon characters that I fell in love with. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that Zack Snyder got to finish what he started. Like that's, I just think that's such a terrible ending for a a family tragedy to pull him away at the last minute for his, his final movie to be slaughtered. And then, so I think it's really great redemption, as you said. And you know what, what a classic superhero story of redemption like that that's like a, a tale as old as time. And that's it makes you want to believe in the age of heroes, which this movie is all about. Like anything can happen if Zack Snyder can get his director's cut of Justice League out into everyone's uh, t- living rooms. It's amazing. What a time we live in. What a time. Those are my <laughs> final thoughts. Wow. What a great movie. Yeah. So if you've watched the Snyder cut are itching for more and don't know what to watch next revisit the old justice league animated series it's yes. so good it is and it it carries on that spirit it's source it's material the same vein. yep it's great source material to revisit and there's a continuation in justice league unlimited um there's, i'm still holding out hope that we may yet see some iterations or some remnants of Zack snyder's work in the dc universe because they've set up dark side at one point um, it was announced that Ava DuVernay, uh, the re- director from uh, When They See Us, the Netflix series, was brought on, was attached to a New Gods movie, which would explore um, the world of Apocalypse, Darkseid, his his son, Orion, uh, the High Father, that kind of galactic side of the DC universe. So, Which would be great. Ah, it'd be great to see. Mm-hmm. I'm still holding out hope, although Warner Brothers has outright said that the director's cut is not canon and they don't intend to make any more movies with Zach. You know, who, who knows what can happen at this point? Ooh. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> yes. I think that'll do it for this episode of Woo! Two Dudes Watch Cartoons. What a time. Good time we had. Yeah. Let us know what you think about the movie, what you think about the original animated series. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys. Yes, thank you for joining us. My name's Evan. My name was Alex. (laughs) It is Alex. It's not was. I'm so sorry. My name is Alex. Thank you guys for joining (laughs) us. Uh, I had a great time. It's all right now. It's (laughs) Yeah, good one, good one. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time.